Welcome to the Sea Press Podcast, a podcast from the Presbytery of Seattle that invites you into conversations about issues and topics that are meaningful to the church and its people. Good day, everyone. It's good to be here with you at the Seattle Sea Press Podcast. And I am Reverend Tally Harrison. I'm here with Reverend Paul Kim and our co-executive presbyter, Reverend Eliana Maxim. And today um, we're here to talk about again, the upcoming leadership forum, uh, which is a, a work of the Thriving Congregations grant. And I'm excited today to continue our discussion um, that we um, first did yesterday, uh, last week. So if you if you did not hear um, the, the first one we did, which was last week, we'd love for you to take a listen uh, to that one. This is a continuation of that. And part of our conversation today, briefly, we're not going to be long, so hang in there. But it might get rough, okay? So put on your seat belts, you know, put on your neck brace, whatever it is you need. This might be <clears throat> a little bit bumpy because I we have been discussing, um, folks, we've been discussing this idea of, of of the death of the church. And so much in our media, social media is people are walking away from the church. We're seeing declines in the church. They're closing churches, COVID impacted the church. And one of the things that really excited all of us about doing this work uh, of thriving congregations was that this wasn't, was like one platform we could create that could contribute to the resurrection of the church, mm. right? That could contribute to the church coming up new again or finding ways to to through learning right through a learning platform or process congregations could experience innovation and adaptation to the social and cultural challenges of our world so where are we and what what is what is this forum going to do to help folks to get there and and so i'm just going to throw that those opening comments out there and um you know reverend eliana why don't you start us off just with some of the things you've been talking about with congregations related to thriving congregations and the leadership form sure thanks tally um i think you've put it really well i think we are on the verge of this movement of resurrecting the church i think one of the um, difficulties that we have though is that the the churches um individually may be nodding their heads saying yes absolutely when they think of resurrection, they think of resurrecting themselves to exactly the same state they were before. And resurrection by its very nature means something new, um, something creative, um, something that altogether is different from what was. So that, um, that tendency that we have to recreate what already was in existence and at one time worked well for us is such um, a misguided notion. That's the first thing. I think the mm. second thing that is really difficult for our churches to grapple with is that in order to have resurrection, there means it means that there has been a death. We have had to die to ourselves in some manner or other in order to be resurrected. And the church, like most institutions, or at least all institutions that I've ever come across, um, really do not want to die. They don't want to lose any bit of themselves. Um, and so that ability to be able to um, identify what needs to be lost in order to be resurrected or reformed, um, 
to use um, some of the language that we use as Presbyterians, um, is really a challenging thing because we don't want to lose anything that we have held dear. But in order for us to become the church that we need to be, um, it means that something has to be given up. What's happening to a lot of our churches, though, is that because they're unwilling to engage in that conversation, much less than actually taking action on that, but just engaging the conversation of what are we willing to lose or let go of, um, the death or the loss of something becomes imposed upon them, and it becomes a wholesale death. It becomes the dissolution of a congregation. It means losing everything because they were unwilling to die to something. And so my invitation and my challenge in working with churches is how can we intervene soon enough that congregations have an opportunity to do a self-study, to know themselves well, to know their community, to do an inventory and be able to discern what, do, what no longer serves us as a church, what no longer is part of who we are and we can let go of and die to that in order to give space to a resurrection of something new. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Paul, you want to add to that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I was thinking maybe we should just stop there. <laughs> uh, I think that's exactly right, though. I think <clears throat> the, the questions are critical. And by the time, um, if we don't begin to engage this, uh, I think by the time we realize it, we will have found that we are too far gone. Uh, there is a point that that it's hard to come back to, right? And so I think I take uh, Eliana's um, sermon really just now. I'm taking it in and and really hearing it and saying, now is the time that we have to engage this question. And for some of us, it may be we may be getting close to the line, right? And so I think it's critically important that we do uh, engage this. Um, because let's face it, we are in difficult times, denominationally, mm -hmm. church history-wise, and we had better just name it and uh, engage it rather than denying it. Otherwise, that would be to live into some mythology uh, uh, of our churches or of our denomination of, or of our world. Um, so to be real and to uh, name those things and engage it's critically important. I think one of the um, other things that I <clears throat> like to lift up is that um, when we begin these conversations, folks can easily slip into despair because they equate right. the resurrection of the church or the death and resurrection of the church as the death of Christendom. And um, what we're talking about is this container that we've created to hold our Christian discipleship. I don't think that container right. was ever created to last eternity. Christianity is something different, um, but being the Christian church is what we're talking about that needs to be reformed and, and we're due for a reformation. And mm -hmm. if we are going to be faithful to what we profess to believe that we follow a Christ who promised new life after death, then we need to believe and have faith that if we let go of this container that we've held onto for however many hundreds of years, that we will encounter new life in our faith. 
and you you know you talking about that makes gets me going like why are we holding on to a container rather than to the spirit of god the movement of the spirit of god mm-hmm. yeah why are we holding on to the container over the spirit's movement well in part paul this is um a a a good place to insert right that we are seeing evidence that a reforming church which we are the you know part of the reformation has slowed its commitment to reformation mm. <laughs> and has become more preservatory right we're preserving who we have been and mm. the holy spirit never promised that the container would be preserved in fact the whole idea of the resurrection is a new body right Right. so we don't keep our old body we get a new body (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so there there's a way in which we should always be looking for a way ways processes practices spiritual disciplines that create new bodies that come from new life that, that produce mm-hmm. new life, right? So new life and new bodies come together in the resurrection. We right. seem to be committed more to, and this is this is not our opinions as much as it is the evidence that we have been able to curate in this process is that most of our practices are about preserving who we have been. Mm. And that's why I think it, it has become, it's interesting to me that the pandemic is pointed to as the cause for the crisis in the church, you know, people not coming back to worship, uh, we can't do things that were special to us because of, you know, contagion or whatever. When in fact, I think what the pandemic did was not only accelerate, but highlight the fact that we have outgrown the container we had been um, living with. Um, The pandemic really has highlighted that that was no longer serving us. Um, the way that we were doing things. And, and, and in many ways, many of us, I include myself, had become very comfortable. And so um, it was it was almost predictable how we practice our faith. You know, right. We have a little schedule and this is the structure and this is a framework. And here comes along this disruption and we don't know how to manage it. We don't know because we have not engaged in conversations, proactive conversations of how to imagine church in any other way than the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And this puts us in a position, um, Paul, where we have really tried to walk with congregations and about their what are their practices right. <clears throat> that, that we could um, begin to talk about it at the forum, right? <clears throat> and so we engaged leaders from across the country over the last three months or so, mm-hmm. um, two months or so, maybe three, just about. It'll yeah. be three by the time we get to, right? Yep. Where we've had these, what we call them think tank. <laughs> we've put together leaders from across the country and they've met with us and we had these this lively discussions. And really what they were was a, were kind of a model also informative, but a model mm-hmm. about um, some, um, a model of what we want to engage in at the leadership forum. Right. And in other words, it's not going to be someone talking to you at the leadership forum as much as a, a vibrant discussion conversation that will upset 
that will interrupt, that will disrupt, that will cause you to think, that that even may cause you to wonder, um, hopefully, right? That's the goal of this is, and we have found this to be very helpful for even us as a practice, developing this practice through the summer up until this event and preparing for this, this leadership forum, is to say, when will we ever get together to have these hard discussions right. where we're just gonna, we're committed to like practicing this question and curiosity and ambiguity and uncertainty mm-hmm. because because that is where the church is that's the right. context for the church today right that's right and you know and so i think what you're talking about is that we're going to take a pause from production of all the things that we need to do in the church take a pause from that and to have the conversation and to dialogue with one another in a robust way where we um uh, you can think of it as another think tank dialogue that we're having together we're we're bringing pastors and senior leaders together to uh to address and to to think through to dialogue to maybe be open and i think this is an act of risk and uh and i think uh, a risk to what we've been used to comfortable with a risk to what we think about our church but i think unless to Eliana's point earlier, unless we risk some of these things and maybe put some things to death, uh, we can't move towards resurrection. There's no, there's no Easter without Good Friday, right? We talk about that every year. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that is true for the uh, state of the church as well. Well, Eliana, you, um, this may resonate with you because it's a, it's just that, let me just share this quick story. Congregation, not Presbyterian congregation, reaches out to me and I talked to Paul and and Maggie about, you know, this church wants us to come help them deal with their issues, issues of culture and race and community. And they're a larger congregation. And and so I put together like a two page outline, like here's what we're doing, becoming a learning congregation. And the response I got was something you probably heard heard like many times in your work, in your leadership role. They said, Okay, well, we're going to just, we decided to read a book together. (laughs) And I thought, okay, great. Have a nice day. Like, let me know how that works out for you. I'm sure you've heard that before. I digress. I digress. What what comes to mind when you hear something like that, but also in response to what Paul said? Well, I think for, for me, <clears throat> I think what's exciting about thinking of putting everything on the table and engaging in this sort of dialogue and really having a whole new mindset of how to approach church is that it forces us, hopefully, to wipe everything off the table and recenter Christ in the middle of it all. And that in turn, has a ripple effect. Um, It's going to force us to look at church in a decolonized way. So all the things that we have little by little been creating idols out of our buildings, um, our our story, our history, um, our fables of our history, because sometimes it's not real history, but it's what we tell ourselves is our history, um, or even just um, the mythology of, of who we think we are 
it forces us to look at that with clear eyes and realize that the true reality is Christ. And everything else is just a reflection of how we are trying to serve the gospel. Our ability to do that in turn then is going to force us to talk about issues around you know, white dominance and privilege and racism and poverty and hunger and education, because we cannot engage the Christ at the center without going there. Um, and so many times we've been afraid to go there with those hard topics because Christ has not been at the center. It's been something else has been at the center, either the church budget or our popularity or, you know, what will they think of us? Um, so many of the factors, but this opportunity to come together and deconstruct the church and allow some things Ooh. to die oh, by allowing, yeah, I did say deconstruct <laughs> and put Christ as the center and then start to build around Christ is going to be such a, a wonderful opportunity to see what is glaringly opposite of what Christ wants for us in the church. See, and this, the, Eliana, what you said there, I can hear someone saying, right, we've always built around Christ, right? The children of Israel had to rethink how to worship God in Babylon than they did in Jerusalem. Mm. It was the same God, but context changing matters. It doesn't change the gospel, but may change the containers that we use to experience the gospel, to experience each other, and to experience the world around us. And that's one of the things that we are, for example, we're debating right now. Do we talk about leading in uncertainty and ambiguity? We have been certain in our faith for so long that now we're leading people who, ex who are experiencing tremendous uncertainty, largely based on misinformation on the internet. The internet produced in many ways, the ability for us to exist in misinformation, thus ambiguity and uncertainty. We're leading in, in that space. Same God, same Jesus, but now in the world of uncertainty and misinformation. Mm. Wow. That doesn't, you can't lead the same way in certainty that you do in uncertainty. I would challenge us based on the evidence that we have. Let's look at that evidence and dialogue and discuss. So September 30th and October 1st, um, you can go to the website, um, Paul, what else can, can they, can register they if you can only, uh, Friday, there's an online option. So if that's, that's tenable for you, do that Saturday. Uh, if you can only come one, you can register that way, but register and be part of the conversation, engage the dialogue. Uh, this is critically important. Thank you, friends. And um, to all of all of you listening, um, once again, go back to last week, take a take a listen to that um, as well and um, bring your, your senior leaders, influential leaders in the congregation. Be a part of this conversation. Um, speak up and let's 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 have a robust engagement together September 30th and October 1st. All right. Blessings to you, everyone. We are praying for you. Bye bye. <laughs>